sound of your voice, the light in your eyes. We're so far away from yesterday together. With a wink and a smile, we go together like a wink and a smile. Wow! Amen. Good morning. How is everybody today? God bless you all. Uh, my name's Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just have a confession. That's not me in the pink shoes, all right? Uh, oh, wait, the red shoes. I'm a little colorblind. My wife and I tend to have a little argument about color from time to time. Uh, and so does... Oh, this ki kids are dismissed to Sunday school. If you are four to through fifth grade right up there. Look at that, it's like a press box at a at Chase Stadium or Giant Stadium, see that? You could go right up there. Um, I'm so excited to be here today. This is actually only our ninth week as a brand new church body. I just wanna thank the Lord so much for that. Um, just real quickly, we share our vision every week. We are a church uh, that really believes in reaching hurting and hungry people for Jesus Christ. We believe Jesus really did die for our sins. He really did raise again on the third day, and he's coming back someday, and he's going to fix all the mess in this world. Isn't that great news? Amen. Our God is in the business. Our God is in the business of taking broken lives, ruined lives, and turning them into something beautiful. And that's the only reason we're here. This is the beginning of huge things. We, we are actually trusting God for amazing things. Uh, we want to grow because we, wanna re we believe the harvest is plentiful. We believe people need to hear about the news that Jesus loves them, Jesus forgives them, and Jesus transforms lives. And that's what we're all about and I'm just so grateful to have you here. Um, I want to make one quick little um, announcement here. This is a, our bulletin right here. I'd like for you to pick that up because in that bulletin we have our message. You can follow along on that. We have the scriptures we're using today. And we have pens that are already on the, should be on the chair. If you don't have any, our ushers will get you a pen. And we believe that God's word is so important we should read it every day. And that Bible right there on your seat, if you don't have a Bible, why, you can keep that Bible. It's yours to keep. And we're excited. We're actually in week three of um, Making Room for Love. This is a relationship series, and it's been fun. And today we're going to be talking about how to argue and fight. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of weird coming from a church and a, and a, and a pastor, but, you know, one of the greatest keys of a successful relationship is actually learning how to argue and fight. Uh, because guess what? Uh, point number one, and if you're married, the fact of the matter is all married couples eventually will fight. It's just, it's just the way it is. Uh, can I get a little amens out there? <laughs> and uh, even though today we're talking about how to resolve conflict in marriage, all you single guys, Chill out, all right? Because you're going to need to learn this stuff. You could use this in your dating relationship. You could use this basic, the principles we're going to talk about today, you can use in any relationship, but we happen to be talking about the marriage relationship today. But the, these principles are so broad that you can use them all over the place. And like I said, many of us, uh, all of us fight from time to time. I recently, in fact, 
Lydia and I, uh, we had an argument uh, recently, and um, she, uh, she came to me on her hands and knees. <laughs> and she said, <laughs> and she said, get out from under that bed, you coward. <laughs> I'm joking. I, we did have an argument, but I wasn't under the bed. <laughs> I was in the closet. <laughs> You know, I want to introduce my wife. I think that's a good thing. I want you to come up, Lydia. This is my dear wife, Lydia. Why don't you have a seat over there, honey? Yeah. She's, she's going to join us today. And um, I have one question, Lydia. Um, how'd you do it for 26 years? Well, I don't know. God, God is gracious. God is gracious. Is that what it is? <laughs> so... I'm going to have her join us, and I think it's important to have a woman's perspective and a guy's perspective of what makes a relationship special. Don't you all? I think so. I think that's a really good thing. I want to give you a little review of where we've been, um, and we've been in the Song of Solomon. What we've been doing is following this one couple. Remember? Chapter 1, basically, there was this couple. They were, like, struck with love. They, it was uh, King Solomon was going with his chariot, stopped in front of a vineyard, saw this beautiful woman, uh, a, a beautiful a peasant girl. They grew in love with each other. Remember, in week 1, we talked about the positive qualities of a relationship, how it was really godly character that attracted them together, and they did everything the right way. Biblically, they, they courted together, they date court, whatever, however you want to define that, and they ended up uh, getting engaged and so forth, and we talked about that in week two, and then, oh, we're skipping the honeymoon, all right, because last week, this week should be the honeymoon, where there's all that stuff going on, honeymoon night and all that stuff, and uh, we're going to come back to that in two weeks. But um, they had a great honeymoon together, and now I'm setting up the story for chapter five. We're going to be in chapter five. And this picks up right here. And we're going to see that marriage sometimes just doesn't uh, measure up to our expectations. And in chapter 5, we're going to see the beginning of what we call conflict. There's a little trouble in paradise. And let's go to God's word together in chapter 5, verse 2. You do have that. I want you to take that and follow along. And also, it's on our screen. Um, and it says here, I slept, but my heart, this is the woman talking, okay, she's in bed, in her bed, and it says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking, and now it's him talking, and he's saying this, he's saying, open to me, my sister, hey, look at me, <laughs> open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, <laughs> boy, is Solomon, like, you know, laid it on thick, or what? My flawless one. <laughs> Please, flawless. I never called you flawless. <clears throat> my head is drenched with dew, my hair with the deepest, with the dampness of the night. What we have here, basically, this is a married couple, okay? And uh, what we have here is Solomon was out somewhere. He was out, and she's in her bedroom, and there, she's by herself, and he's coming home. I don't know where he was. Maybe the chariot races. Could have been at work somewhere, and it's late at night, and she's already in her bed. And basically, he's saying, you know, I want her. I want you physically. I want to make love to you. It's like, baby, sweet baby, can't get enough of your love, baby. And he's laying it on thick, 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 and so forth. And like, ugh. and like, he's ready, all right? He, he's just, 
He's just hoping and ready and, and excited about what may happen next. And basically, the next verse goes like this. She goes, I don't think so. <laughs> she goes, I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? In other words, uh, what she's saying is, not tonight, I have a headache. It's, ba it's basically what, what she's basically saying tonight. And what's going to happen next, you could uh, go on to the next verse if you could find it. What's going to happen next is we see a cascade of events that occur where they're both going to begin to lock each other out of their lives. And this is the beginning of a conflict. A conflict. That's not the verse I was looking for, but that's okay. Um, and here's the, the key. Here's the key in relationships. The question is not whether you are going to fight. The question is, how well do you fight? That's the question in any relationship. How in the world, how in the world could we last 26 years and not argue? Right? We argued. Oh, yeah, we did argue. That's right. That's my point. How in the world could we last 26 years and not argue is the point. How many of us have been married three years or less? Anybody? Three years or less? I have a couple people, three years or less. Okay, you're what we call the honeymoon period, but you probably already had an argument or two. Uh, how many of us have been married between six and ten years? Anybody between six and ten years? Okay. Keep going, I heard someone. How about uh, over 20 years? Over 20. Let's give a hand to these people, okay? We want to, like, just thank God for that. Uh, our, our second point here is, is this... Uh, Basically, it's not how well, how, if you argue or not, but how well you argue. And we're going to talk today about fighting fairly based on God's word, based on what we see in God's word. And here's an example of not fighting fairly from this video I found. I don't know. It's, I thought it was a good thing from this video I just found. Here, boy. Hold this for me a minute. I just love that. I don't know why. <laughs> Notice that it's 97 rounds or something like that. You're going to, you know, your first round, you're going to have a, a dozens of rounds of fighting. And this is how it is. And um, if we go on to verse 4, let's read verse 4 together and in return. So what happens here is she says in verse 3, I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? And then she says this. She says, my beloved thrust his hand through the latch, out, latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. And what we see here is, so we have this, this man who pursued his wife, and for whatever reason, we don't know the exact reason, she, did not, she locked him out of the, of the bedroom. She locked him out, and she didn't return until it was too late. When she got up to open the door, he was gone. And let me see that her heart sank. And what is the reason, con, what do we see the reason for conflict in relationships? And our first point is this. Really, the first reason is really, and the second reason go together, it's unmet expectations, unmet expectations, and also selfishness. Notice in verse, 
Notice in verse uh, 3 where it says, Must I put my robe on? I am in bed. Um, I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? And I think, Lydia, um, you know, I'm a good catch, right? You're a good catch. <laughs> okay. Um, regarding expectations, I mean, evidently here we see Solomon expected something. And she probably expected she probably expected her lover to be home with her instead of tra- traveling who knows where in the middle of the night because we see he came in the middle of the night and she probably was fixed up all nicely for him she was waiting for him in bed you know probably the, the dinner got burned and, and he wasn't around and here he com- he thinks he's coming home and he thinks he's going to all of a sudden like just because he says a few nice words that all of a sudden. He's going to have a big, you know, romantic evening together with candles and, and making love and all that. And that expectation didn't, didn't happen. And Lydia, when was the first time you realized that I wasn't going to meet all your expectations? We got married July 14th in 84. Yep. It's probably July 15th. <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe not that soon. July 15th? <laughs> Well, at least I got the honeymoon night, right? <laughs> well, uh, okay, well, um, I want to turn to James chapter 4, verse 1. I'll get you back for this later on. You know, uh, she says, fight fair. Conflicts occur due to unmet expectations and selfishness. In James 4, it says this from the message. It says, where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? And, and, and you know, and this is a quarrel. A fight could be a quarrel in a relationship. Do you think they just happen? No. Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. And here we see each couple really wanting something and not getting it. And that's really the root, the root of lots of arguments in relationships. I see that all the time, uh, working where I used to work. And, um, you know, the greatest need, this is, I mean, I'm just going to say this out, guys. You could, you could say amen or just not say anything. I think uh, one of the greatest needs for a man in marriage, now we're talking about men in marriage, is basically um, for 80%, I would say uh, sex is one of the greatest uh, needs and also uh, to be respected. And um, does anybody want to say amen for, if you're a guy out there? Don't lie. Oh, come on now, guys. In a relationship. Okay, that's all right. You're lying to yourself, but that's okay. How about you? A woman's I, I think uh, for women, it's wanting to be loved and provided for and cherished, taken care of. Amen. I think that's true. You know, I, I did counseling. Actually, Lydia and I do premarital counseling together. And not because we're a perfect couple, by no means. We're, we're going to show our, our, our scars here today. But fact of the matter is, I was, we were doing premarital counseling with our first couple that we married. And um, the question of sex came up. And it's, it's a very important uh, issue, I know, in relationships, uh, being a, a mediator of couples going through uh, hard times. But we were in this premarital counseling, and the woman was asked, so how many times a week... As a married woman, do you think uh, you'd be available, like Solomon, you know, he's, he's looking for, for some loving. How many times a week do you think you'd be available for your partner? And she's like this. She's, uh, let's see now. She's like a calculator, you know. <laughs> she's like thinking like, almost like some kind of like uh, algebraic equation or something. And she goes, um, 
13 times a week. <laughs> the, guy looks, <laughs> the guy looks at me like that. He like, like jumps up. We go outside and we're, we walk outside because we separate the guys and the girls sometimes. And he goes, yes! And he jumps out. <laughs> He's like all excited. And then I see him about, oh, about six months into the marriage. Uh, we went to another marriage. And I say, hey, Mr. 12, hi, Mr. 13, how are you? And uh, 13? And he goes, no. And he walks, <laughs> walks around. Unmet expectations. It just happens, and it's just something that you have to learn how to deal with. And when you argue, you have to learn how to argue fairly. Not like the bugs. Sometimes we would like to do that to our mates, right? We like to get a little slingshot and go, hey, hey, why don't you just hang on there right now, Lydia, and I'll be right back. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is the best way to keep a relationship strong is to learn some uh, techniques for that. We want to share those with you. These aren't the only ones, but based on God's word and First one is this, and these are really what we call the I wills of conflict resolution. And you know when you're getting married and you go up on the altar and you kind of like hold each other? Can I give you a kiss? Sure. Do you mind if I kiss her? No. Yeah. In front of our kids? On the cheek. Okay. Uh, see, she's going to be nice to me later. <laughs> she's always nice to me. Um, it's Never like when you're getting married and you look at each other's eyes and you go, I promise to love, cherish, honor, I will... And uh, I messed up my marriage, marriage vows because I was so nervous. But these are the I wills. And uh, the first uh, we want to talk about, and I want you, if you guys, can you repeat with me? I will, I will. keep an open heart. Keep an open heart. That sounds so simple. You know, the most, the coolest thing is the most successful people are those who do the simplest things the best. They just do a simple thing, keeping your heart open. Um, we see here in this picture of Solomon and this, uh, his wife, we see both have closed themselves out. They're both like, well, you know, he, he knocked on the door. He wanted to come in. At first, she didn't want him in for whatever reason. And he says, well, forget about you. He ends up leaving. And then when she has a change of heart, then what happens is she gets up to open the door, but he's gone. And then her heart sinks. And we see a whole cascade of issues that go on after that. And basically, it's because they, they locked each other out, and then it was too late to get it back. And having an open heart, you know, St. Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 11 and 13, and we could apply this to, to our relationships, is he says this. He says, and, uh, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you, um, that word open there means to enlarge. It's like, you know, when you have like uh, your arteries uh, are closed and narrow, what happens? You end up getting like a heart attack, right? Too much cholesterol in there. You get like, ugh, you just sluggish and so forth. His heart was open to the Corinthians. He just loved them to death. And he says, there's no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond. Uh, I'm going to skip that as your own children. Open your hearts to us. We need to always keep our hearts open uh, first to Jesus Christ. He's obviously the most important, and we'll get into that in a second. But our hearts to each other. If one party has their heart open to the other and one party has their heart closed, you're going to see there's going to be a conflict. If both parties have their hearts closed, the relationship is almost... Uh, almost cannot be, uh, cannot be saved. Now, many of us, we respond to arguing the way we were brought up. 
It's just the way it is. I was brought up in a crazy home. My, my, my fir- I always share this. My first memory of Christmas was a broken Christmas tree because my mom and dad would always argue. I, I, I mean, I, I heard arguing almost every day. It was, I had stress attacks over it. It was just a horrible situation. But many of my, the ways that I cope with conflict, I learned, unfortunately, from my parents. So guess what? I'm going to, when I go into the relationship, unfortunately, I say, please don't make me like my mother. Please don't make me like my mother. But guess what? I end up acting just like my mother, and I can't stand it because some of those bad qualities, in, only in that area I'm talking about, not in all areas, um, it, it come out. And, and are you with me here? And so we learn from our past, and we need to relearn those ways. And thank God when you're in Jesus Christ, you're a new creation. You don't have to take that old way of thinking, that old way of doing relationships um, with you. You can change, and part of that is keeping a heart open. And it's like this. It's like two warring countries, say like Iran and and Israel, they don't talk to each other. How in the world are you ever going to settle an issue if you don't talk to each other? Open communication, open hearts means you're honestly communicating with the other your needs. And many of us walk around like, um, and I think women tend to do this to men sometimes. I think they walk around like we're like mind readers sometimes. Like, um, you know, you should have known that I wanted you to do this or do that. (laughs) Uh, You know, you want to answer that, Lydia? Do you want me to read your mind? Oh, you don't? (laughs) You You think that we don't communicate what we want because we expect it. there's this thing called woman speak where where women tend to say something like oh the garbage can is full and if you translate that it means honey i, I want you to take the garbage out but it's women speak so uh, there's you know that we need an interpreter sometimes i think it's important to get to know each other's language and a lot of times it's not just i see a couple of you laughing out there and I think it's important to, that you, that all of us learn each other's, if you're in a relationship, whether it's a dating relationship, a marriage relationship, even as you prepare for your relationship, that you realize that communication isn't all verbal. In fact, 90, oops, in fact, uh, uh, who's going to clean this? <laughs> Are we 50-50 in this thing? You know, I was going to say he knocked it over, I cleaned it up. That's 50-50, right? <laughs> of all communication in relationships is actually nonverbal. That means only 7% is actually what you say. And a lot of times it's the words behind what you say that really matters, the body language and so forth. And can you put up that body language picture for a second? Um, Here, this guy, I mean, come on. This guy's getting into it, right? He thinks everything's cool and going on. And look at her. Do you think he's getting uh, romance tonight in his relationship? Do you think, like... uh, do you think there's something, an issue here that maybe he needs to talk to her about? Look at that body language. And it, it's, it's amazing. We need to learn each other's love language. We need to learn each other's how we communicate with each, each other. And even if we communicate verbally, we need to see what's behind that. And also look at the body language and, um, and, and so forth. And, you know, there's all these unwritten rules. And even in, when you're in, as married couples and you're in bed together, there's the bed rule. You know, no one ever, you guys don't mention it, but come on. If, you're not, if you go to bed angry, uh, there's no touching uh, on the bed. You're, you're usually back to back. And uh, if, you, if you, by accident, if, if you put your toe next to her toe, you're, and then you realize you, know, you lose points. You know? <laughs> Somehow in a relationship, you go, you're not getting my toe tonight. 
you know, it's all this uh, body language. And I think it's very important. Communication is so important in a relationship. And in two weeks, we're going to have a whole, a, whole, uh, after, a whole Sunday service on communication from the Scripture. How to really read your partner. But that's for another time. But we're going to move on to that. But open hearts of communication. How do you know you're not open with another person in, in a relationship? I think there's two signs, two subpoints. One we see here is, is hiding. When you're hiding from someone, and some of us are hiders, and the second point, subpoint is some of us are hurlers. We either hide or hurl. We either seek uh, healing in a relationship or we hide or we hurl. We either seek resolution in a relationship or we seek revolution in a relationship. And two of our weapons are hiding and hurling. Both are meant to attack the other person, to punish the other person. We call hiding maybe the silent treatment, right? See how she's turning away from me like this? And, and, and so forth. And actually, she's not really that much of a hider. I happen to be a hurler. And um, what we see in the scriptures here is his wife hiding from her, and then he, in return, hides from her. You see how you react to one another? It's very important not to react, but to act. And then hurling. Let's give an example of hurling. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden, where the first couple was in the Garden of Eden. And we see Adam in the Garden. And basically, we see what he did with God in his relationship with God. They messed up. They, something happened. And they ate the apple where they weren't supposed to. And um, God says to, to, um, to Adam, he goes, where are you? Where'd you go? And Adam says, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. See that? Amazing. Our first relationship right there. And then the man said, and then he tries to make some excuses, and the man said, well, this woman you gave me, this woman here, <laughs> she gave me the fruit and I ate it, so it's her fault. And that's a hurl right there. So there's hiding and hurling. And you can test yourself. Are you looking for... The problem or you're trying to attack the other person through hiding or hurling. We see here in this relationship that there was hiding going on. And you have to examine your own relationship. What, what, what are you? I mean, I, I realize you, you, you told me I'm, a, I'm basically a hurler at times. I tend to get angry at times. And because I'm very emotional and passionate, sometimes instead of attacking the, the problem at hand, instead of honestly communicating what my real needs are, because if she's not going to know if I don't say, I tend to hurl at her by saying uh, not always uh, nice things. And but what does that make you do? I usually clam up. I call her the clam. She clams up. She does. <laughs> um, I want to move on to our next point is this. Um, agree on rules of engagement. It's so important to agree on fighting rules. Right? Isn't it kind of silly? We have rules for war, but we don't have like the Geneva Convention and so forth, the different rules. But yet, in a relationship, there's rules for everything, games, but there's really no rules of engagement. engagement. I was with a, a couple yesterday. We went out to IHOP, and she says, boy, I wish I knew that. No one ever taught me how to fight. I didn't know you were supposed to have rules. No one, she, you know, I grew up with my parents. I learned how my parents fought, and I took all that garbage, all that in my, from my past, 
into the future, and it basically destroys every relationship I have because I go back to the same patterns of engagement. And it's so important to, keep, to have that, uh, you know, uh, rules that you can go through because these are really preventative measures as well as remembering during the argument. And we didn't always have these, and we're not always good at them, um, but some of the rules of engagement, can you, can you think of, of one? Uh, don't use always or never. Don't use always or never. Why you always do this? Why do you never, you know, do that? Why do you always step on my mic wire? <laughs> and um, that's an issue where I think it's important to not use hyperbole. You're attacking the, uh, the person. Why are you laughing at me like that? You're the king of hyperbole. I'm the king of hyperbole, huh? <laughs> That's true. I tend, I'm Italian, all right? I said, you know, they asked me, why are you yelling? I'm not yelling. I'm Italian. <laughs> and the point of the matter is, it's do. I tend to use always and never, and that's just not a good thing. We learn not to do that when you're in a relationship. And you, you taught me something known as the eyes. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you share that? Instead of my saying something to David like, you always leave your dirty socks on the floor. Can't you just put them in the hamper? It's right there. Something like when I get really frustrated when I see your socks on the floor next to the hamper. So talking about what he's doing instead of the fact that, or, or that I think does. he's a slob or that, wait, that didn't come out right. <laughs> Talk about the action, not the person. Because that gets me upset when she says, like, you're such a slob. Why do you keep your stuff if, all over if here? If I were to say that. What's that? If I were to say that. You've said it once or twice. <laughs> and and it, just, it just makes me upset. And that makes me want to hurl and say, yeah, well, you know, uh, why do you, like, you know, and such and such and such and such. And then it escalates, you know. So we, we try not to use those kinds of things. And the other thing is going to bed angry, you know. Uh, no toe action for you tonight. Um, it's, it's really important. Ephesians 4.26 says, Do not let the sun go down in your anger because you're going to give the devil a stronghold. Leaving a whole 24 hours or, or more going to bed together angry. I mean, when you're sleeping, something happens. I mean, you're dreaming. You process things through. You internalize. And it's really amazing. You fester. Kind of like a picture like a crock pot that's cooking. You know, I love. I do love your crock pot stuff. You know, and that's not a punch of crock. <laughs> I do love it. And, and, and she, um, you know, we met because she burned food. The first time we met, she burned the meatloaf. And I happen to like burnt meatloaf. And that's how we first met uh, in college. But the fact of the matter is, if you leave it going, you're letting it fester. In fact, that's the scripture. It talks about don't uh, let this anger, this rage. It's a, in, in the Greek, it's like a festering wound that you allow to sit. Imagine like an open wound that you just allow and allow the bugs to come in and all that. And that's, that's what happens in a relationship when you don't address the issue. If you avoid it, uh, it's best to, 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 to talk. And, and I think I'm much better than that, than you are. I mean, uh, when there's an issue, I don't want to go to bed angry. And you, could, you seem like you could just like go to sleep. That really bothers me. Well, he's a talker and... and He's, got, he's a wonderful communicator. You guys know that. You listen to him every week. Um, but I'm one of these people who I have to think about what I say before it comes out of my mouth because I want to make sure that it's coming out the right way, as I demonstrated before when I didn't think about what I was saying. Um, so 
I will take the time to, th and he'll say to me, what is it? What's bothering you? And I'm like, let me think, let me pull it together, and then I'll talk to you about it. But I've learned that I need to preface my thinking time with that so that he knows I'm not just giving him the silent treatment, but I really am trying to process before I talk it through. So the, the ground rule is allow time to process, allow processing time. And timing is everything. That's, our, that's another ground rule. We, timing is everything. Allow a little time to go by. Because if, you know, if you're hot under the collar, the worst time to, to talk about a conflict is right then. Because you're going to say things you don't mean, you're going to you know, regrets. And um, I want to give this quote from Ruth Graham, uh, Billy Graham's uh, wife, who's now with the Lord. And... Um, I, I like this quote. I think, Bill, hey, who knows more than Ruth Graham, right? She's married to Billy Graham for like 50-something years. And she says this about, about confronting your husband when you're a little upset with him. She says, in the first place, she says, um, women should learn this. Women, are you listening? This is Ruth Graham, not me now. She says, um, <laughs> you should never confront your man when he is hungry, okay. <laughs> when he is tired, when he is stressed out, when he is um, just home from a long day, um, and when he is worried. When do we confront you then? <laughs> this is what she, she says this. She says, never, never question your man. So uh, there's certain timing. And uh, guys, uh, Ruth Graham is a genius, I think. <laughs> Uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly where she was going with that, but the point is, is timing is everything. Leave time. Let, don't, don't, in the heat of the battle, don't, don't talk. Let, allow for time. But do come together before the sun goes down. So important to do that. And I was, I was really bad at this, throwing around the D word. Uh, it's like a, the scorched earth policy. When I would get upset, when I wasn't getting what I wanted, just like Solomon, you know, it wasn't happening in the bedroom or... Um, I thought she should be there with me. You know, I come home from a hard day work. I work hard. I come home. I expect you to come, you know, be with a fur, you know, uh, sexually dressed with, with, uh, behind that fur. I expect my dinner ready and, and, and so forth, my slippers. And it just wasn't happening. And, you know, you could get upset. <laughs> and I think it's important. Um, I really think it's important uh, and when I wasn't, wasn't happening, we would, we would react in the wrong way. And I, unfortunately, used to throw around the D word. Well, I think we should just get a divorce. I can tell you the number of times that I said that throughout the years, especially in the first six to seven. Uh, six to nine is your ding, ding, ding. In this corner, usually that's the worst of the years. The crusher! <laughs> you know, in this corner, uh, come out, you know, with your hands, you know, fair fighting. But... I threw that word around, and this would make, what would, what would that do to you? When you when oh, it's, it's heartbreaking to hear that come out of your mouth. And, and I remember, like, she doesn't like to, she would like a, yeah. Oh, oh, the rules of communication. Now, this is one of our, our speaker next week is going to be talking about how to love, love yourself. How, how, you used a different phrase, um, but because if you don't love yourself, you're not going to, love others in a proper way. It's biblical love, biblical love, not this um, selfish love that you see out in the world. But he told me the, the, the top five uh, rules of communication. This is who's going to speak next week, top five rules of communication. His wife's laughing because she heard it already. He goes, top five, ready? One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> That's a joke. You can laugh. <laughs> 
But the um, fact of the matter is throwing scorched earth policy does not work. That's another ground rule. You know, throw, that's, a, that's a hard term to use. What, it cuts the person. Talk about the heart sinking. We see Solomon's wife, her, his, her heart sunk when he left. And throwing words around that are difficult. And I want to say something. I know some of us are in relationships right now where we've locked each other out. I know some of us are in relationships where we feel uh, there's no hope. When you have Jesus Christ, when you have Jesus Christ in the center of your relationship, and that's our third point, is this, uh, center my relationship on, around the gospel. So the first one is, I will, let's repeat, I will keep an open heart. I will keep an open heart. I will agree on rules of engagement. Now, that's something you're going to have to work on yourself. And we have set up through version. Uh, we have our message on version right now. And we have this, uh, you could ask questions. And I realize some of us today are in relationships. The issues are very complex. And we don't mean to minimize your, your, your issues here. We're having a good time up here. But there's real, real pain and suffering. We believe Christ is the answer. But we also know that the issues are very complex. And if you want to ask us a question, this is like really like it's so, when I was going into this, it's, it's almost like such an important topic. And what justice can you give in a few, a few minutes to this topic? So you can write to us online through Uversion. Uh, if you go to uversion.com, you can actually find oasischurchnj.com. Some of you are following our message right now with the message notes uh, online right now with your smartphone, you could actually hook in a question and we'll answer it back. It will be totally confidential. We're not saying we're professionals, uh, but it's just, you know, based on our past experience with, with couples, the thousands we've dealt with, maybe we could help a little bit. We're all in this together. We're all imperfect. But last is uh, I will, ready? I will center my relationship around the gospel. What do I mean by the gospel? We mean it's all about Jesus Christ. You know, the gospel, what is the gospel? The gospel is God writing himself in human history in the form of Jesus, coming in the form of, of a man and living a perfect life. And it's all about forgiveness and restoration. The gospel is a message of hope where you realize, and this is our little saying at Oasis, we're an imperfect church for imperfect people seeking a perfect God. And Realizing that you're imperfect is a good thing because she's imperfect. She is imperfect. But realizing that God offers through Jesus Christ forgiveness and restoration uh, makes me look on you in a certain way like, well, of course you're, you're, you know, you're a sinner. Of course you're not going to live up to all my expectations. Of course there are going to be times where you're going to really tick me off. But you're a sinner and realizing that I've been forgiven, it says in the scripture, those who have loved much uh, uh, have been forgiven much. Realizing that, then I can look on, on you, Lydia, with the eyes of Christ. I can look on you, realizing that because I've been forgiven, I need restoration, that when you do something that really messes up, I can forgive you. And that's really a key there. Are you looking to win an argument, or are you looking for forgiveness and restoration, because um, that's an important issue to think about. That's the, the gospel right there. And again, I realize there's relationships. Some of us right now have been through divorce. 
And that's a, a, a really, really tough thing. And, you know, God, God loves you where you are. We all, we, you know, divorce is a terrible thing. God hates divorce. Divorce hurts children. The good news is that with Jesus Christ, even as we center our relationship on him, whatever, even with your ex, you can center still that relationship, whatever you have, can still be centered on him, on him, and you can act like he would act. You don't have to return good, you know, evil for good, um, or you know what I'm saying. You don't have to return bad things when, when she does something or he does something. You don't have to keep going like this. When you lay down your weapon, when you learn to forgive, that's the greatest healing bomb in life. There's no greater healing bomb than forgiveness. And as we close, I just want to, I'm going to call the worship team up, but I just want to encourage you to think about these three I wills. Think about keeping your heart open. So are you hiding or hurling in it when, you, when you tend to have an argument? Are you running away from your partner? Are you withholding affection? Like Paul said, why are you withholding affection? Even though you're angry with, are you just, you, you know. Second, or do you have any ground rules for engagement? Sit down or go on a date night. Um, think about, if you're not in a relationship right now, think about, think about what you would do in a relationship. And say, so, you know, when I get in a relationship, I want to practice uh, these things in my relationship. Uh, the third thing is center my relationship on the gospel. And some of us today, maybe we don't even know what, what I'm talking about because you've never gotten to the point where you can say in your heart that you know Jesus Christ. Maybe you're walking around today with a, a guilt, a shame of your past, and all your relationships may have ended poorly. You maybe grew up in a situation where your life was just not, there was no peace of joy. You don't know the sense of God's love. I want to tell you that God loves you where you're at. And he wants a new beginning for you today. He wants you, he wants you to come into a relationship with him. It's all about relationship. Everything we're talking about today is about relationship, and it all starts with Jesus. So if you don't know him in a personal way, if you're walking around with feeling worthless, if you're walking around with feeling guilt from your sin, you could have hope, forgiveness, and restoration in Jesus today. I want to pray for you.